They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. You got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it. it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle! The doctor is now in. Everything at your disposal at tcmartinshow.com. Aces, Seattle, game number one coming your way on Sunday. We've got a little playoff breakdown for you up there. Our interview with Steve Sachs on the featured interview on the homepage there as well, too, as we uh, talk baseball, Las Vegas buffets, and, of course, the earthquake. That's all there for you. Classic interview page, current interview page, all there for you. Right now, we talk a little football. Yes, it is that time. It's August. It's training camp. And uh, join us now, very good friend, the eight-year NFL veteran, the pride of Alabama, Mighty Mouse is in the house. Mark McMillan, what is up, my man? What's going on, my man? Uh, one of my boys, uh, Keith, he just texted me, man. He said he loved the intro. So, man, that was that was pretty fire, man. That was like some old Bud, uh, Bud Carson, Buddy Ryan, old. <laughs> I, I love it, man. It was grimy. It, it was gritty, but I, I like it, man. That's what we got here, man. We, we always pay tribute to the old school, Mark. You know that. I'm, I'm an old school guy, man. Whether it's the music, whether it's the jams, whether it's the football, the sports, whatever it is, you know, we got to pay homage, man, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to pay homage, man. And I appreciate it about you, man. I know when we first met, you were like, man, you had the old school, the R&B, the hip-hop. So, man, people may see TC walking around and be like, oh, you know, I'm just a white dude. Like, no, brother, no. Brother's got soul, man. He's got flavor, man. He's he's got flavor. So I'll always uh, answer your call, man, when you reach out, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Mark. Uh, great to have you uh, on the show, man. It's been a while. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, we could tap into you during the course of the football season because, again, we got a lot of great guys that, uh, that join us, you know, former players, and, and you're one of those guys and just love tapping into that, man. And we, we could talk a little football. And, of course, you know, as you know, on this show, I mean, it can go in many, many different directions. I mean, we could pop some, some old-school Parliament Funkadelic in a heartbeat or we're going to be going to the grill. As you know, you know we are going to get into some barbecue today, as you well know. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but, hey, I want to talk to you. We got the uh, breaking news a little bit earlier today. Uh, I say your boy just because, you know, I think of Alabama, even though I know you didn't play for him, but, you know, Nick Saban got a contract extension running through 2030, uh, averaging $11.7 million per year. Uh, the king of Tuscaloosa there uh, in, in Alabama, it just cracks me up here. But uh, Nick Saban, man, he's getting paid. This seems like this guy is, is never going to step down. I, I'm curious about your thoughts about Saban and signing a deal to, to 2030. That's going to take him until like his mid-70s or late 70s, man. Yeah, they just wanted to lock him up, man. You know, they just want to make sure, you know, we show you uh, faith and, and lock you up to your 70, till you're walking around in that 
Crimson Tide rocker uh, that he's going to go away in. But, you know, he's, he's done so much for the game of football, not just Alabama, man. Um, you know, a lot of those coaches in the SEC can thank Nick Saban for raising the prices uh, for all those coaches across the board. And most of those guys that are getting paid money are some of the guys that coach under Nick Saban. So, you know, he, he's like the kingpin of, of college football right now. And how much money he generates for that university, um, you know, it, $11 million is, is nothing. You know, when you really break it down, how much money uh, that they bring in for that football program. Uh, now with the NIL deals, that the, you know, money that they're bringing in for those guys. Uh, he's one of the great guys that you can interview. He's got some great sound bites. Uh, those people down in Tuscaloosa, man, they've been getting the treat for a long time uh, interviewing Nick Saban. So, you know, hats off to the old ball coach, man. He's just getting paid, and I think he's right behind Belichick. I think Belichick's yep. getting, what, like 12, 12, 12 billion or something, so he's right there with the big boys. You know, when you look, yeah, that's a great point. You bring up Belichick, and we know that they're close friends. We know that they spend some time during the summers, and, you know, they talk a lot of football. Uh, a lot of commonalities between those two guys. Uh, how do you compare those two guys? Do, do you think they are very similar, the way Belichick coaches in the NFL and the way Saban coaches in college? I think they are very similar. Um, you know, they're they're old-school guys, you know, no-nonsense guys. They'll give you what you uh, really don't want uh, as far as sound bites. But when you get on the field, they're going to give you a, a team that's going to be well-prepared, uh, you know, that's going to fight you nail and, you know, to the end. Um, that's going to battle you uh, for 60 minutes. And, you know, and, and guys like playing for him. You know, uh, obviously Belichick gets a bad rep because when you're in the National Football League and you're releasing players, you know, that's a different story than pulling a kid's scholarship uh, in college. You know, uh, in the NFL, when you get released, that's big news. And we've known uh, Belichick to release some really key players in the past that, you know, turned a lot of heads and, and guys are pissed off, but guys left with Super Bowl rings. So, uh, it wasn't all that bad. How is Nick Saban with the alumni? I mean, like you said, you didn't play for him, but you went to Alabama. You played for Gene Stallings. Uh, how is he? Uh, how, how is he with with alumni? Does he invite you guys back? And 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 what's your relationship with him? Um, I really don't have a relationship with him. You know, besides playing against him when he was in Cleveland, and then they took uh, Antonio Langham, my DB mate in Alabama, number one overall right. uh, to Steve Brown. So Antonio Langham gets the, the free reign of everything. You know, he's, he's a Nick Saban guy. Nick loves uh, some T.O. But, you know, some of the older players, a lot of guys do go back. Um, you know, I know my guy, uh, Kerry Good, uh, who played a long time there in Alabama, is battling ALS right now. Um, you know, I know he's uh, always at the games and guys are, you know, hanging around his tent. So a lot of guys do go back, but they stay outside and just tailgate uh, with the big RVs and they barbecue and grill and they just have a good time. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you you went to Alabama. You played for, for Gene Stallings. Then after that, things got kind of got rough and lean. They had some lean years there until like 2007 when when Saban arrived. And now, you know, we think of Alabama just uh, the way probably you know our grandfathers or our fathers thought of Alabama back in the day when Bear Bryant was there. Right? I mean, it's just obviously it's a different type of football and everything, but the dominance is is completely there. Yeah, it's you know for to be on top, man, for this amount of time is is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Yeah. You know, I know we, we could talk about Eddie Robinson who did a great job over there at Grambling. Yeah. Uh you know, there you know, obviously Joe Pa, you know, minus some of the stuff that was going down there in, in Penn State. Uh you know, there were some really good coaches that that coached a long time in college football, but I would say Pete Carroll if he would have stayed at USC with what he had going on, he probably could have kept that dominance going for a long time. 
Um, he was getting some of the top recruits from the West and the South. Uh, but what Nick Saban is able to do now, man, he's getting the top players in California now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's getting the top players in Texas. Uh, he's getting the top players, obviously, in Alabama. Um, you know, for him to be able to reach that broad uh, rise and, and still be on top year in and year out, it's like the, the question I would always ask, like, what does he say to the team this year that he didn't say last year that keeps these guys motivated and interested and wanting to play for Alabama? Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of California, you know, you're a California kid, and you, how does a guy who doesn't play football until his senior year in high school end up getting a scholarship to Alabama? Explain that one to oh, me. Now, I know you went the JC route, but that's a story, especially for a guy that is, you know, 5'7 like you, Mighty Mouse. Man, I, I was blessed, man. I, I know, you know, a lot of my buddies back at home and, and Cali, man, they still trip out about that. <laughs> I, dropped my, I dropped my buddy's name, Keith, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used to watch him play uh, in high school football, and, and then we ended up playing in junior college, and I was on the field. He looked at me and was like, I had no clue that you were playing football, you know. So a lot of people didn't know I even played uh, JUCO football until, obviously, my sophomore year. I was a junior college All-American, um, you know, after playing two years. So I did pretty good, man, at, at Glendale. Coach Akuto did a really good job of coaching me up and, and teaching me the game and, um, you know, get an opportunity to play at University of Alabama at 5'7". I think coming out of JUCO, I was like 140. Yeah. You know, soaking with a jerry curl. <laughs> oh, now we're talking about the jerry curl. There we go. He had the soul glow going. There he is. <laughs> I did have the soul. I, I think I tweeted out the other day, man, my throwback picture of my old uh, Ready for the World jerry curl that I was rocking. That's what I'm talking about. Can I get a little digital display, Chuck? That's what I need. Can I get a little Ready for the World right now? That's what I'm talking about. There it is. Mark McMillan got the funk going on. He's got the old school R&B. That's what I'm talking about. With that, and I know, I know the album cover that you're talking about. Straight Jerry Curl, right there, my man. Very nice. Yeah. There it is. All right. But there you go. B- bust it out, Numbchuck. There it is. This is my jam, Mark McMillan. You got to know this back in the day. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, Sheila. <laughs> you got a little oh, Sheila, a little digital display, ready for the world. There we go. That's I love talking. it. There you go, man. There you go. I love it. That's some good barbecue music right there, When you say? I mean, what do you do? Give, oh, give me your playlist. I mean, and you, do you put on the chef hat when you're, when you're grilling? And, and do you put on these jams? What do you do, man? Man, actually, I don't have a chef hat, man. I'm just in the kitchen, man. Pick <laughs> things up. Obviously, I do have some tunes. I, I do go with some old school tunes, uh, you know, that my, my mom and grandparents used to, uh, you know, uh, play in the backyard in L.A. Uh, so, you know, barbecuing is just from the soul, man. It's, it's from the soul, brother. I wish I could have set up a barbecue stand outside the Aces basketball game. Man, everybody would have got fed. Oh, you got that right. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think the, the Mandalay Bay and the MGM properties would probably have a little problem with that. But, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 we need the Mark Grillin McMillan to, to, set, to set up shop here. Uh, you know, we, we got we to gotta work that out. That would be good, man. That would be good. Maybe for the championship parade we can work that out. How about that? You see where I'm going um, with that? Man, I would set up the grill right there. Uh, you know, on, if, if we got to put it on Las Vegas Boulevard, we'll reach out to a couple of grill sponsors. We'll get a meat sponsor, and we'll just set up shop, man, and, and, and root on the ladies as they go down the uh, parade road. There you go, man. There you go. I can see that. I can see that. Hey, speaking of the barbecue, you know, we joke a lot about that, but this is something that you take very, very seriously. 
And for a lot of people that don't know, Mark's got his own barbecue sauce right now, too. So, so talk a little bit about that. And I'm still waiting to taste this bad boy. Yeah, at this point, man, I'm in production again. We we completely sold out. I'm in uh, seven Ace Hardware stores uh, in uh, in the Phoenix area. Rogerio's Ace Hardware stores. I'm in a couple of restaurants uh, in Arizona as well. They serve my barbecue sauce and my spit and my spices uh, on their wings. Um, you know, I'll be launching again in October, the first of October. I got new brands, uh, new labels. I got a new spice that's coming out to us: a coffee steak rub that's named after my mom, my Gloria. So I'm excited about that too, man. So stay tuned. October, I'll be doing a, a, another big launch of my Grilla McMillan spices and barbecue sauce. And there's a couple of restaurants here as well, Naked City Pizza. I know they're going to do uh, a little Grilla McMillan Mighty Mouse Wing special as well, uh, featuring my barbecue sauce and some spices. So there's some there's some energy here in Vegas, man, since I've been here. People have been reaching out. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Whoa Lemonade is another uh, partner that I'm getting ready to do some some business with. A lemonade stand, a lemonade shop uh, that they named the Mighty Mouse Lemonade. It's, 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 it's delicious, man. I'm I'm telling you, it's so really good. We did a giveaway. I gave away a couple of autograph uh, photos and, and a program as well. So I'm just trying to just just fit in here in Vegas, man. There's so much going on. Uh, the city is thriving. Um, it's a lot of excitement in the air, especially around the Aces, man. I love the game. I love the atmosphere. And you do a great job of calling the games as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, you know, supporting this team. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, athletes, current, former athletes that uh, have gone on board the train. Again, I know how much you appreciate uh, sports in general, women's sports, and uh, you've been coming to the games for a while, and I appreciate that, man, and and that's great, and I, I love having you on uh, when we can get a chance to. Uh, I had Mark uh, on with me at halftime a couple games ago, and that was great stuff. Hey, I'm really curious here. So, you know, the sauce is so is so critical to any barbecue. What what's? Yeah. I'm not asking you for the secret, but but what 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 goes into like say your sauce as far as what makes a good sauce? What's the key for you? Um, it's not too thick. Um, it's not too sweet. It's not too hot. Uh, not too high hot. You can still be able to taste the chicken or the pork or the fish. Uh, I know my buddy Marcus. He uses he uses it on a lot of turkey breast mm. as well. Um, you know, so you can use it on pretty much anything. I have a buddy in Philly, man. He actually drinks it out the bottle. That's how good it is. Oh. So. You know, it, it's a really good sauce that that got a little sweet, a little heat at the bo- at the back end of it. Um, that 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 brings out the flavor of the meat or you know vegetables or whatever you want to put on it. Um, and it just has my my signature touch on it, man. You know, there's thousands of sauces out there, but there's only one sweet heat grilling McMillan barbecue sauce, baby. Ooh. What got you into the grilling, man? And, and how did you kind of perfect it? Um, just back in the day, man, you know, uh, back in the day with my, my, my grandparents and uncles and, and aunties and moms grilling in the backyard, uh, South Central L.A., the grill was always hot. And, you know, after, you know, just through COVID, um, you know, it was like, man, what am I going to do? You know, uh, football season's over. I'm not back on the radio. And, you know, me and a couple of buddies, man, we, we've, uh, we've just started going in the kitchen and going into the lab and, and collaborating on some good stuff. And, you know, I have, like I said, five spices that's going to be released. But I have a total of 22 that we came up with that I have in the, in the vault. So I have a lot more spices uh, and sauces that I have in the, in the vault. I have a bourbon barbecue sauce 
I got a peach uh, peach bourbon barbecue sauce as well that'll be uh, being launched this year as well. So I just love cooking, and and nothing brings people together more than food. And you know, back in the day, that's what we did, man. That's what brought us to the table. Uh, that was brought families together. Uh, whenever you talk food and you talk barbecue, man, people are going to listen. It's true. It's true. Food, barbecue, sports. They all go together, man. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Mark yep. McMillan joins us, eight-year NFL veteran, also great college career at Alabama, the defensive back, Mighty Mouse. Love it. Oh, man. So let's let's talk a little NFL here, man, as we get ready for the season here. You've been spending some time at Raiders training camp. I'm, I'm curious. What is your take uh, so far, so good, and we'll kind of we'll break it down a little bit. But just uh, the general synopsis of what you've been seeing out there. Um, they're they're competing at a high level. Uh, I, I see the defense uh, is really getting out there. Usually, the offense is ahead of the defense. You know, at this stage, um, you know, first week they were just doing some install. They got a lot of new new places, uh, new spaces uh, that they need to fill. Um, the offensive line is a big key for the Raiders. Everybody knows that. Um, you know, everybody was excited to get uh, you know Devonte from Green Bay. Uh, but you got to be able to protect Derek Carr to get the ball out. I don't care if you got one of the top tight ends in Waller, uh, one of the best third down receivers in the game with Renfro. Um, Josh Jacobs is uh, in his contract year, who's out there practicing now. He came out of practice today. He was out all all last week, so it was good to see him uh, participating in drills uh, and going live with the Patriots today. So, you know, there there's some question marks on that offensive line. Uh, so they might have some rookies. Uh, I know Dylan Parm is a guy from Memphis. That's been turning a lot of heads. That's been doing really good um, in, in the first preseason games and in practice. Um, you know, so there, there, there's a lot of holes that needs to be filled on an offensive line because on the, on the outside, you know, they, those guys are good. You know, you got Renfro. Uh, Tyron Johnson is a guy that, that I've been on high on all uh, training camp out of Oklahoma State. Uh, guy just makes plays. One of the fastest guys on the team. Um, plays special teams as well. I just saw the cut this uh, today. They cut five players, and he was he wasn't one of them. So that's that's really good to know. Uh, but you know, it, it's going to be a tough division. You know, you, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, Denver's got uh, Russ. Uh, you know, and then obviously the Chargers. You know, with the young Fimon down there as well. So it's going to be a tough season uh, for the AFC West as a whole. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, and you know, I, I talked a little bit about it yesterday about how. Different coaches have different philosophies on how to treat the preseason, especially their quarterbacks and star players. We saw Patrick Mahomes play a good portion of their game on Saturday night, and he threw 19 passes, 12 for 19. We still haven't seen uh, Derek Carr. We haven't seen Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, as you mentioned, Darren Waller at all. What is your take on that, Mark? Do do you think that – you know, specifically these skill position players, i.e., the quarterbacks, that they need some type of game action in the preseason before opening day. I, I do, I do. I know Derek Carr said in the in the press conference today that he he's okay. You know, he practices as as he's getting ready for the game, but you can't simulate the game. Uh, the game is a whole other level, especially opening day, especially when you got your fifty three guys. Uh, you know, going for that Lombardi Trophy. Um, it, it's a total different uh, atmosphere. Uh, today was the first time that we actually saw Devontae Adams going against somebody else right. besides his other players, and he did really good. You know, he's, he's clearly the best receiver in the game. And, you know, him and Derek Carr uh, connected on a couple of touchdowns uh, today, you know, over the uh, Patriots' defensive backs, uh, and, and that was exciting to see. But 
as a whole, you know, they have so much trouble with their offensive line. I don't think they want to put Derek Carr in a preseason game at this point right now. But I really do think that you do need some kind of, uh, you know, some preparation. Um, we've yet to see Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Renfro, uh, Jacobs, all those guys in the huddle at the same time yet. And these are the guys that you're going to try to open up the season with in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, so it, it's pretty interesting uh, to see how some players go about it. Um, you know, I know last week uh, some of the guys actually stayed back here in Vegas and was at the basketball game while their team was playing uh, the Miami Dolphins. You know, I was going to ask that tough question today, but I was like, no, I didn't want to rub any feathers the wrong way. Like, what kind of message are you sending to the younger players if you're sitting back here in Vegas hanging out uh, watching the, the basketball game and your team is battling for spots and jobs to get better? So I didn't agree with that, and that, that still leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, moving forward yeah and that's the thing you may have permission from say management or your head coach that hey i'm not going to be playing the game anyway hey is it cool if i go watch the aces support them or just go do something else but you know you may have permission they may think it's okay and the head coach may think it's okay but you hit the nail on the head it's about the teammates what do the younger guys say what are your teammates because they're out there working they're out there sweating they're busting and, and and you're not and it just again just like Tom Brady, he he misses training camp for uh, eleven days. He's on vacation. You know, he's out. You know, with his wife, or you know, rumors has it that he was out. You know, doing the mass singer or whatever it is. Well, he had he had permission from from the organization. You know, early on or whatever. But still, I mean, it just it's it. We're seeing more and more of this, and I think it just all goes back to you know the me first mentality of these players these days. Yeah, I think Tom Brady gets a pass. Um, you know, I, I would give Tom Brady that pass, and most guys will give him uh, that pass. He's earned that right to to have that kind of uh, you know uh, uh, responsibility. Um, everybody knows what he's doing. Everybody knows what he's about. Um, you know, but that but that me mentality, man, is just a different ball game. And you know, I was talking to some of the guys today, just from a player standpoint, I was talking to Eric Allen, and I was like, man, didn't they have like a big special about you know who knocked you guys out of the Super Bowl, the tough rule? came about, and now you have the New England Patriots in your new digs, you know, eating your food, staying in the team hotel, right. practicing in <laughs> your facility, using everything you got. And I'm thinking, like, and I told Eric, I said, what do you think uh, Al Davis would think about this? There's no way <laughs> Al Davis would have been like, okay, you guys can use our facility. There's no way. You're right. You're 100% right. It's like, fine, go find a high school, okay? Go find a cafeteria somewhere else. You guys are yeah, hanging yeah, out here. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree with that, and it was kind of funny just be like sitting there, like, "Wow!" And Belichick, he's like, "Man, this place is phenomenal. It's yeah. great. It's first class." Like, dude, that's that's one thing about the Raiders. You always think about the mystique and what they're about. Um, you know, it was all about the Raiders first, and it was about screw everybody else. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was just their mentality uh, of playing the game. And I think that's why uh, when I was playing with Kansas City. That the, the hatred uh, that 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 Marty or dislike that Marty had for the Raiders, it was serious. It, it was it was really serious, man. It was we knew when we were getting ready to play the Raiders because we knew Marty Schottenheimer was going to cry in the opening speech on Monday. We were like, man, it's Raider Week. Mar- Marty's going to cry, and he was so pissed off and so fired up just to play the Raiders. Um, he wanted to stick it to Al Davis. Al Davis wanted to stick it to the Chiefs. It was just that kind of mentality, and I, I cannot see at any point Marty be like, hey, you know, come on, Al, you guys come practice with us, a joint practice here in Kansas City, eat our food, stay in our hotel, 
that ain't happening, man. And that trickles down to the players in the locker room, right? And, and it did triple. You know, we didn't like the Raiders. Right. Like, we really didn't like those guys. And there was no way, um, even after the game, if you watch some of the tape, we didn't shake those guys' hands. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to shake our hands either. And it was just that kind of mentality um, that, it, that, that that displayed. Even if I the practice today, I'm saying, like, okay, they get to go against somebody else. Maybe it's going to be a little trash talking and maybe a couple of scuffles. It wasn't like that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a little, maybe the wide receivers and DBs chirp a little bit because that's what we do. But there was no, you know, I want to see guys that's really like, I don't like you. You know, you're in my house. And if I can just imagine if someone came to Philly or came to Kansas City in our practice facility, somebody was going to get beat up. Right. And you somebody kind of, was going to- Yeah, we talked about this uh, yesterday a little bit, is that, okay, they're – you know, this, they're joking that this is Patriots West. And, and it, it's, it's kind of true because a lot of the philosophies you get your, uh, your GM comes from New England. Your head coach comes from New England. You got a backup quarterback is from New England. So you figure, okay, right. there's that ultimate respect between Belichick and McDaniel. So they're going to, you know, probably play nice, nice with each other for the next couple of days. And like you said, it's just not that. But then it's like, oh, use our facilities, do this. We're hanging out afterwards, going to dinner, doing all these things, you know. But Here's another thing, Mark. You're talking about sitting there, wow, these are great facilities. You know, this could work to the Raiders' advantage as well, too. Like, say, for example, say if you're a Patriots player and say you're a free agent in the next co- coming years. You know, you could say, well, you know, I was at that facility there with yeah. the Raiders. Yeah. You know, I want to go there. Oh, plus they got McDaniels yeah. now. This could serve as a recruiting tool for the Raiders. I, I agree. It can work both ways. You know, obviously. Uh, you know, Belichick giving it high praises. Uh, you know, the, the the taxes is a little lesser here in Boston. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you'll get a little bit money, more money in your in your game check. Uh, so it, it works to turn to their advantage. And you know, so hopefully, um, you know, I don't know how they're going to see it, but you know, they have some players from New England. You know, on the Raiders, so it's almost like the New England New England Patriots West. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know as a player, you're like, man, it's going to bring in all these guys and. As long as those guys come in and they do their job and, and they, they help these guys win games, it uh, should be an exciting season. Um, you know, hopefully these guys can stay healthy. Um, they can protect Derek Carr uh, because he has some really good players behind him. Um, you know, so it, it should be exciting, and, and I'm excited for it, man. I, I have a good time um, at the games. Um, you know me, I'm always looking like, who's got the barbecue stands inside of the Raiders stadium. I'm like, I don't smell any barbecue in here. We need to get some barbecue up in this seat. <laughs> Here's Bill Belichick uh, talking about what he thought of the Raiders facility today. Facilities here are incredible. Um, this is a, the Taj Mahal of a football um, facility. So, um, But, yeah, no, it's a great environment. Looking forward to, you know, to being in the stadium. And, um, and of course, we've come back out here in the regular season. So, um sure. But, you know, it's, it, it certainly looks like they're, they're ready for football. Stadium looks good. Facility looks good. And they got a good team and a good coach and a good staff. So, There you go. Compliments from Bill Belichick. Man, you know, you're, not, you're, not gonna, you're never going to hear Nick Saban say that about anybody else. He's right. not going to be like, wow, this, <laughs> these are new, this is nice facilities. You know, they, they, Nick Saban's going to throw his jab in there at anybody, and it's going to be big news. But uh, Belichick, that's his guy, though. You know, he, you know he's won, what, four or five titles – uh, in New England, Josh has done. And, you know, this is his second stint as a head coach. Uh, most guys don't even get one chance, let alone two chances. And, you know, Bill Belichick, I'm sure he helped him a little bit get this job. And, you know, there, I saw his son 
uh, young Belichick out there calling plays as well for for the Patriots. So it's almost like it's the New England Patriots out there practicing against the New England Patriots. It is. It is. So you're trying to tell me you don't think that Nick Saban is going to go down to College Station and say, oh, great facilities here. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's a heck of a coach. Oh, yeah, this is beautiful. You don't think you're, you're, Saban would say that, huh? You're not going to say that. You're going to hear Nick say they may be cheating. Right. Uh, you throw them under the bus. Uh, it's going to be big news, but he's not going to praise their facility or anything like that. And, you know, so obviously Belichick is playing the game. You know, he's saying what he's supposed to say. Uh, you know, he's getting sound bites from it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's like, wow, if the facility is that nice, well, maybe we should go down there and, uh, and try to practice with the Raiders. And, and they'll be back here uh, at the end of the season as well. And that game could – could possibly be, uh, you know, a, a really good matchup for either of these teams to maybe get home field advantage uh, in their division. Uh, so it would be pretty interesting to see how this works out. All right. Better barbecue in Tuscaloosa or in the state of Texas? Alabama oh, or Texas? Oh, my God. Who's got it, man? Oh, no, no. It's definitely Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> it's Tuscaloosa, Alabama, man. It's uh, it's Dreamland. It's Dreamland's got some of the best barbecue uh, you can have. I know Texas, uh, you know, has some really good barbecue places out there. They're they're really good. A uh, good friend of mine, her name is Yan. She's she's been texting me while I'm on the show. She's like, you need to get your barbecue sauce down here in Texas. I'll help you out. So we're go- you got a lot of people tuning in right now when you start talking about barbecue, man. So everybody is on board. So I'm giving shouts out to everybody that's tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys continue to support my man TC. And when we talk about barbecue come on man we got to make it happen down there in texas absolutely and here's a shout if they're listening in texas okay so another one of our good friends a good friend and who is a regular on this show you may remember him from his his college coaching days is houston nut so coach nut comes on all the time and coach nut is always raving about hutchins barbecue he loves Hutchins ah. down there, and he's always yeah. he's trying to get me to go to Hutchins. And uh, so when I go down, to, I go down to Houston, but he's that's more Dallas, and I haven't made my way yeah. down there yet. So I'm, can I get a witness, Mark? You know anything about Hutchins? I I, I had a little bit of Hutchins. Um, you know, it's it, it's a really good barbecue. Uh, like I said, Texas is so big. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. many barbecue places in Texas, uh, but it's always the old school barbecue places. It's not the ones, the fancy ones. Give me the one with the shack. Uh, give me the one with the with the with the dog on the side of the uh, on the side of the building uh, that looks a little mangy, you know, that looks a little dirty, a little grimy. Give me those barbecue spots, man. And you know, the the, the fluffy ones. It's like, how long have you been smoking in that pit? Four or five years? Then you go to Tuscaloosa. They've been smoking in those same pits for over fifty years. Exactly. So those those, so those pits are seasoned well, man. So uh, you know, Texas, California's got a different style of barbecue. I know Tri Tip is really big. Uh, in California, I do a lot of that cooking here as well. People are like, what is that? It's like, tri-tip. You guys don't know what tri-tip is? So, <laughs> you know, I try to, just try to hit the people here on the West Coast, man, uh, uh, here in Vegas. But, you know, there's some good places here in, in Vegas too, man. There's some people that can, that can barbecue as well, um, you know. So I've been pushing for this tailgate, man, for the Raiders. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be covering UNLV football games as well this year. So I'm excited, man. There's a lot of good things happening for me, man, being able to – be with ESPN Radio, uh, be able to cover the Raiders, be able to cover UNLV, being at the Aces game and supporting those young ladies, man. The city is on fire right now. You got it, man. It, de- it definitely is. And uh, as you know, uh, see enough of my posts, you know there's a lot of barbecue posts out there, man. So we can, yeah. we, we, we talk we talk grilling with Mark McMillan 
We talk food. We got it all here. And great stuff and great breakdown. We're going to look forward to talking more Raiders with you as well, too. Next time we reconvene, I really want to uh, get your thoughts on this defensive backfield to see you know, where you think it's gone during the course of the entire preseason as we get ready for opening day here in a couple weeks as well, too. So we'll dive into that and a little bit of everything else, too, man. So appreciate you, brother, always. I appreciate you, man. Like I said, shout out to my guy, Keith. Yen in Texas, my guy Quazy and Marcus here in Las Vegas has been tuning in, been texting me. Uh, you know, my boy, my boy texted me, he hit me. I was like, oh, oh, Sheila. I was like, man, my man TC is on it. <laughs> He's on it, brother. That's it. Well, shout out to all those guys, man. You know, Keith, Mark, uh, the whole gang. Appreciate you listening. TCMartinShow.com, five days a week, two to four. And you're going to get some grilling Mark McMillan as well, too. So all good, brother. Appreciate you, and you know what you're doing on on Sunday, don't you? You know where you're going to be Sunday at 1 o'clock. I will be right behind you, man, in press row, cheering on the Aces, and we take on the Seattle Storm, baby. Uh, Sue Burns, uh, you know, they're they coming in. they coming in. That's it, baby. Can hardly wait for that. All right, Mark, appreciate you, brother. Great stuff as always, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, buddy. Sunday. You got it. There he is. Mark Grillin McMillan, the eight-year NFL veteran. Pride of Alabama, Mighty Mouse, great NFL career too. Did his thing with the Chiefs, the Eagles. Oh, yeah. They had some Raider hatred back in the day, no question. The country club atmosphere, that's what it is now. That's it. I got some grilling music right now. This is some friction. That's some old school barbecue, if you know this. Mm -hmm. All right, we talk a little baseball. We come back. It is a terrible Tuesday, but there ain't nothing. Terrible about this. Barbecue, barbecue. Let's all come, come to a barbecue. Have some fun. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. And no better time to visit the seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. What is going on, my friend? What is terrible in your world? Well, as a matter of fact, I had to spend more time at the DMV. Oh, no. Now, I got a notice in the mail, and apparently, for some unknown reason, they lost my picture that I took at the DMV, those ones we always take. Yeah. They lost it. So I had to go back into the DMV. There was an incredibly long line. And I don't know when was the last time you were at the DMV, but you have to go over and get a number, and that number will start like, well, mine today was H. 30. So I got I got it, and unfortunately, they were all in the bees. So, uh, anyway, it, it, it wasn't horrible. It took a little over an hour. Um, got in line. Of course, they could not figure out how to get me in the picture frame, so I had to bring a chair over. For me to sit down, um, and that was it. That was that. That was my morning. 
So wow. uh, wasn't wasn't horrible. Uh, but I, I think it's just a little terrible. A little terrible. I, I now a little bit. I know how much that how nervous that you get uh, going to the DMV, and we've clarified this. So you explained more nervous than playing in an NBA playoff game. You know, more nervous than you know stepping in the free throw line with zeros on the clock. You know, final possession. You get much more nervous going to the DMV. And uh, so answer your question, I think the last time I was at the DMV, I was I got my license uh, back when I moved back to Vegas in 2015. And so my Nevada license is good for eight years. So I got to do that next year. So, But I did go to the DMV. During COVID, and I can't remember what I was going for, and it was a little bit of a, a nightmare, but but nothing like what you went through. Now, here's my question. So, they lose your picture. How you lose a picture when everything's done electronically is beyond me. It's not like a Polaroid, like back in the day when you were a kid, where you, you snap the Polaroid and you lose it somewhere, or you flush it down the toilet or something like that. So, I don't know how they lose your picture. That's the interesting part. The other part here is... Now, did you get your driver's license like in the mail and notice like there's no picture on it, or how did you? How were you notified that you needed to come back? Well, as you know, you get a temporary license. Yeah, and so no picture, that. no picture, on no it. picture. Right. So as I got the notice. Uh, it's just a notice because, you know, normally, you know, in California, when they send it to you, they, they send that, you know, picture, and it's like a, a card that's on there. It's got your picture on it uh, from the DMV. So uh, was it on there? Just a notification. Please come back in. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, I... I don't know. I don't believe. Uh, well, I could probably do it, but I would struggle working at the DMV because it's it's it, it, it's too many people. Uh, people are too cranky. Uh, there's there's technology now, so for people like me, they would need every single thing explained to them. Um, can you imagine the different forms that these people have to learn and and just getting that job done? What a freaking nightmare. I think I would much rather, uh, I don't know, do anything. Be like uh, uh, Ralph Graham to drive a bus or anything other than work at the DMV. <laughs> that, you know, that, that wouldn't be my first choice. I will say this. When I moved to Green Bay, when I was there, uh, I couldn't believe how smooth the DMV situation was there. I mean, pretty much you're in and out, and they 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 had it down. And obviously, not a major city, so it's okay. But you're right; you go to a, a bigger city, and it's definitely a nightmare. But you hit you hit on something that's that's key there. A lot of the people are cranky, and that's what I never understood. It's like you hate your job that much. And it doesn't matter what city you go to. It's like there's immense pressure on these people. And I'm just wondering, you know, if they can keep these people or not. Because 
they have very little patience, it seems like. And they are cranky, you're right. And that is disturbing. You know, because again, you, no one wants to go to the DMV. It's always, oh, God, I'm going to have to endure this. You know, so yeah, that's a that's an interesting take there, man. But but I don't understand about get you. So because you're seven foot, they couldn't get you in the frame of the picture. Did they make you sit down, or what was the deal with that? They they could not. You know, <laughs> I think that place is geared for people who are maybe six foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> And so, under it's a six foot and under league. Yeah, yeah. So we're between five foot and six foot. So when I walked in, it was kind of funny because there was a gal who uh, I was next to the line. She came right over and she said, "Hey, look, that's what you're doing. That's not going to work. You got to sit in this chair here." So, uh, so they they were good with that. Um. As far as taking care of me, and I'm not so sure that it's the workers at the DMV that I would be concerned about. It's those other people, because people are nuts. <laughs> when I when I took my driving test, you can take it online. You know, I mean, I'm on the computer, and I'm, which I hate. I've never done it before. Uh, I, I'm I'm an old guy, so I got to have paper, and there's no paper. <laughs> So, and when you take that damn thing... No number two pencil, by the way, either. No. So, you're on the computer. So, if you get one wrong, that, wherever you check, it, like, goes to a red. So, it's like instant pressure. Oh, oh my God. I got that one wrong. I can't believe it. I'm running out of bullets here. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm running out of timeouts. You know, like what's what's the speed limit in an alley? I told you that. Right. It's fifteen miles an hour. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I'm yelling during that test and getting stuff wrong, and it's just anxiety. So uh, no, that's the nightmare. That's that's the nightmare of the people in there. And then I was there, and I'm telling you, at least three people fail that test totally. You get spread three times. But they're over on the computer trying to do it again, and, and the gals telling them, "No, you can't do it. You got to go back, come back tomorrow." And they're like looking at the screen, like, "No, I want to do it today." So it's not the workers at the DMV; it's the people, the people, and you know this. People are a nightmare, especially if you get them all together. And you wonder why they have armed security guards. At the DMV. You wonder why. That's why. Because to- total chaos, total pandemonium. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you drove down an alley? <laughs> Can you remember? It, you know, Can you remember? I, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I've driven down an alley. Well, you got a lot of alleys in San Francisco by where you yeah. live. So it's, yeah. It's... There's, 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 there's no speed limit sign in there. <laughs> no man. I mean, who would know that? Speed limit fifteen down this down this alley that, that lasts about maybe two hundred yards. Oh yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people. You know what? I'm gonna. You know, uh, I don't know. Market Street's pretty crowded today. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive a mile and a half down this alley. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. The only time I ever see anyone driving down an alley, Bill, true story, is in the movies in a chase scene. That's the only time I ever see anybody in an alley driving. 
Well, I think that's something you're going to have to oh. maybe try to aspire to do this year. There you go. By the way, break, breaking news. I should share this with you. I went to the movies last night. That's right. Oh, they're, they're, that's right. I'm back. I'm back, baby. And there was nothing really that I could really wanted to see. And so I looked at the board, looked at the big scoreboard, the one that works, not the one at SoFi Stadium that doesn't work. And with all the LED lights, and I said, I guess I'm going to give Bullet Train a, a shot. And the only reason I went to Bullet Train was, well, Brad Pitt was in it. And I heard the cast was pretty good. But I said, is this going to be one of these stupid, silly things? So have you seen Bullet Train? That's my first question. No, I have not. Okay. All right. So then I, I make the mistake, and I usually don't like to read the reviews. I like cold turkey. I don't like, don't tell me the premise, because as you know, I'm going for the experience. I'm going for the popcorn. So definitely the hot, fresh popcorn and the Pepsi was the highlight last night. There's no question. But. I made the mistake of asking the person in the theater to tell me about the movie, and they wouldn't shut up. They just they went on and on and on, and then they started giving me the reviews and kind of ruined it for me a little bit. And where I knew I was in trouble, but then it kind of piqued my interest. They said, well, Roger Ebert, and you know Roger Ebert. You probably met him in person from your time in Chicago, right? I, I forgot he was still alive, and he's still doing movie reviews. What, the Chicago Sun-Times or whatever? And you know, the, the TV show yeah. you had forever, right? Yeah. Well, Roger was, Ebert said it wasn't very good. He goes, you're never going to remember it. And he said it's Quentin Tarantino-esque. I said, okay, well, let's, I, I kind of like that. That's good. But then he was ripping it and all this other kind of this stuff. So, yeah, we had bullet trains. We had gratuitous violence. I mean, that was all, that was all good and everything. But... My synopsis of this movie would be it was a Quentin Tarantino director wannabe. That's what he was trying to do here, and they try too hard. And when they try too hard, then it just kind of loses it for me. But, yeah, bullet train. There you go. And uh, why I brought that up, because I thought of you because, you know, I saw not only bullet trains, but I saw, like, you know, going down alleys and all kinds of other nonsense. So there you go. Now, I I would have thought you would go see Top Gun. I saw that already. I, I saw that you a few weeks that? ago. I saw that a, a few weeks so, ago. Yeah. So I mean, so I'd be really curious because I mean, look, I, I think your movie list is really limited. Yeah. So <laughs> it's true. I don't really see you watching a drama or any romance, maybe a thriller, maybe some comedy. We know definitely no sci-fi. Absolutely correct. So, yes. So, okay, so you saw Top Gun, so what do you think? I liked it. I, I, I did like it. And again, wow. yeah, no, I, I liked it. I liked, uh, you know, the action scenes were great. I thought Tom Cruise was good. I thought the acting was good. I thought, yeah, again, I thought that the, the fighter pilot scenes were, were fantastic. But see, then again, I, I like the action adventure. I do like the dramas. I'm cool with the mystery. I love comedies. You're right. The romance, forget about that. Unless it's true romance, Quentin Tarantino, then, you know, it's gratuitous violence and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And, again, anything sports and music, I'm down for. Documentaries, I'm down for. So I wouldn't say my movie list is, is, 
it was limited. I mean, it's 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 definitely. I just x off the sci-fi and the futuristic thing. So one of the things I was looking at was they had this thing called the Beast, and I go, okay, and there's this guy holding over like a, a I don't know, a machete or something like that, and it's like, okay, or a knife. Well, what's that about? And the guy goes and tells me, oh yeah, he's you know he has this battle with this lion and blah blah blah. Like, okay, no, I'm out. I mean, forget that. You know. That nonsense. But, no, I thought, you know, Top Gun was good. Then again, I liked the original. And uh, Bullet Train, I was hesitant. But, again, it sufficed. Uh, it was entertaining. And the popcorn was nails. The popcorn was the star. Oh, and the soundtrack. And the soundtrack. They had very good soundtrack. So, it takes place, like, in Japan. Bullet Train. And what's the first, the first song that's part of the soundtrack of Bullet Train? A Japanese version of Staying Alive. How about that? They won me over right there. That's amazing in <laughs> itself. Let me let me let me ask you something. So let's see how limited or advanced you are. Now did you see that series Game of Thrones? No, no, see that's not my genre. That's the, anything that's medieval times, I'm out. <laughs> you found it? Wow. Yeah. There it was, Bill. This is this is how the movie opens. In your neck of the woods. In Japan. In Tokyo. There's a big sub-footer just got done coaching a game. And he's going out for some sushi. And he's got his belt bottoms on. There you go, buddy. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a little different type of sushi over there. So I'm just curious. So you you don't like Game of Thrones? No. Game of Thrones. No, I tried it. I tried it for about 25 minutes. I quit. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it, but because, because everyone told me you got to watch it, you got to see it. So I said, okay, fine, I'll give it a shot. I gave it. To, I I can't do that. No, it's unrealistic. Because maybe it's unrealistic. It's just, just you have to use your imagination a little bit. So, like, there's another show on, I think it's called House of Dragons, which is supposed to be, like, 170 years before Game of Thrones. So you actually get to see real dragons in, in the story of the Targaryens. So it's, well, okay. And this is, and this is why you don't like that. Because it's almost a little sci-fi. <laughs> Hold on, Cartwright. Did you say real dragons? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a dragon? Have you ever met a dragon? You go to a ball game. You say, "Hello, Mister Dragon." Dragons are cartoons and and and, and fictional tales. What are you talking about? Dungeons and Dragons? What are you talking about? Dragon I'm, tales? What are you talking about? I'm talking about you two using your imagination and being open to that possibility. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why when we went to the movies the last time, you really struggled yeah. in that movie. And it was because you failed. You just quit before you even started to watch Black Panther and try to use a little bit of your imagination. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. Again, as, as you saw, I was there for the popcorn. Again, you did twist my arm about going to that movie. I, and I said the story uh, too many times. I'll say it again. I cannot go to another film with you because you sit in the front row. You sat in the front row. And then that you make me sit. Th- available. 
Then you go to off time. You don't pick a theater. The first thing you do when you go to the theater is say, how crowded is this movie? That's what I do. I don't, you talk about people or nightmares. You just said it. Why would you want to be packed in? You don't want to go to a DMV where it's jam-packed. Why do you want to go to a movie theater that's jam-packed? I mean, come on. Did you ever see Inglorious Bastards? Another great te- Quentin Tarantino movie. What happened? Everyone's packed in there. They got locked in there, set the movie theater on fire. Everyone died. Come on, man. You've got to go to the, the under-over on me going to a movie is 16. It's got to be under 16 people in the theater. If it's over, I'm out. I'm, follow, I'm fine in a different theater. And luckily, I, I go to movies that, that no one goes to. Uh, well, that, that in itself right there. And by the way. <laughs> or times. Uh, how, how did I get to that movie theater and where was it? Because I certainly didn't know where it was. Well, well you I, drove. I, you were, I got in your car, what? but we were in Vegas. Yes. I didn't uh-huh. tell you, yeah. That's right. We yeah. were there. I had no clue where that movie theater was. But you was. said, we're going to see Black Panther. You, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't go watch movies that, that nobody else goes to. I try to, <laughs> to be, watch movies that are pretty good. <laughs> and uh, All right. I, I, was, I was hoping to take you there and, and broaden your mind a little bit. But uh, well, listen. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess I'm just, it's going to be a continual battle. So do you have any desire to see Bullet Train? It, it sounds like your kind of movie. If it's a good movie, are you telling me it's a good movie I should see? Nah, no. It's well, it, it's, it's to each his own because so many people that I've talked to about this, they loved it. They like they like that bam crash, you know, you know, killing. And again, you're a, a train's rolling off the tracks at you know a zillion miles an hour and all that kind of stuff. And if that's your thing, I mean, for me. You know, if it wasn't for Brad Pitt and some of the other characters that are in the movie, and uh, it was a good cast, I probably would have passed. But I, I, I said, Monday night, no baseballs on, the Astros weren't playing, got no WNBA, now's a good time to go to the movies. And I, and I wanted the popcorn, so there you go. So yeah, you might like it, but it's, 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 it's that action-adventure type of thing. But it's, it's kind of goofy and silly. It's an action adventure about a bullet train. Yeah. About, uh, well, well uh, I guess it's not really about the bullet train. It's more about the dark side and the uh, the killings and the underground Japanese gangs and mobs. There you go. How's that? It's, it's uh, you know, it, it's kind of like a Bruce Lee-esque, I guess, you know? There you go. See, as I say, you might you you might think it's interesting, but anyway, but yeah. No, yeah. Hey, I'm just I'm just happy you got out a little bit and tried to blind yourself a little bit. So I, I did, I did, and, and I'm talking about it the next day, so that's okay. But what I, yeah. you know, so forget Kevin Durant, forget any basketball, because I guess we're not talking about any, any of that. Kevin Durant is going to play for the Nets. They came to an agreement. Yay, four years. You know he's. You know, still has that contract. Do you care about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons in August? Do you care about this story? No. Good. We won't talk about that. No. We'll talk about something better. All right? All right, we'll leave you with this. We have a birthday to celebrate, my friend. Do you realize we have a birthday from someone I think okay. that we both admire? There you go. Coming from our Catholic backgrounds that we have. Your Catholic schooling. Happy birthday to Sister Jean from Loyola, 103 years old. 
Sister wow. Jean Deloria Schmidt got some Chicago hardware on her 103rd birthday. The school, the city, the state leaders celebrated Sunday with a Catholic with the Catholic nun who became a folk hero, as you remember, as the chaplain for the Loyola men's basketball team that reached the Final Four in 2018. They did a highlight was the renaming of her inner honor of the Chicago train station plaza on the campus there at Loyola, where you get dropped off right there. Students and visitors will pass by a large sign now marking it as the home of the world-famous Sister Jean. So there you go. When you're going from the city... To Froggies, to Highwood, stop by Loyola. There you go, Sister Jean. Uh, interesting. Isn't that good? Uh, yeah, and 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 God bless her. That's uh, that's 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 pretty amazing. Now I I know you're worried that you might not make it till seventy three, but uh, you, know, you barely made it to sixty three. But hundred, uh, you know, like I said, um, Sister Jean, hundred and three, still going strong. Hopefully we well, see her in the NCAA tournament this year. Well, as you know, this year I turned 65. I know. That I'm, I'm very amazed about, which is uh, <laughs> um, a, a senior citizen. So that's, that's a nightmare. Uh, it's, it's good and bad because I, I still feel great. And as my age group, I'm, I am now a senior citizen. So um, at the file for Social Security... <laughs> I'm still working. Stay away from the DMV, uh, whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're eligible for Social Security, and when you turn 65, you have to be on Medicare. Just A if you're working. If you're not, if you're retired, <laughs> you got to do A and B. So you got to figure that out too. So I had to call my sisters and what is this Medicare thing, A and B? So they're very kind. We talked about it. And, uh, you know, luckily you're not in that process yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, doing Social Security. Thank goodness uh, I, I don't have to catch up uh, to that. There you go. All right, so yeah. we celebrate Sister Jean's birthday. We celebrate cool. you getting your picture. And there it is, Bill. This is how they close Bullet Train, the soundtrack I'm talking about. An oldie but a goodie. We celebrate with you, Bill Cartwright, with Rare Earth. How about that? I like it. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's a highlight. Yeah, like so you, op- you open the movie with a Japanese version of the Bee Gees, and you close it with the American version of I Just Want to Celebrate. I think we're celebrating a lot on this terrible Tuesday. <laughs> dollar bill. There he is. Just don't call it medical bill. All right, brother. We got to roll. We'll talk to you later. Uh, <laughs> good, good luck with your social security exam. Social Security, I need Medicare. I won't need it. No more tests for you. Good luck at the ophthalmologist. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, man. There we go, man. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. Who knew? You never know which direction it's going to go. But I'm just in a celebratory mood. Give me some more popcorn.
the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks for Steelers. And they've got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Oh yeah, hour number two, breaking it down for you. Give me a little college football, the NFL, but yes, college football this weekend. Raiders, Patriots, the finale at Allegiant Stadium. They're going to kick that thing off at 515. Of course, Aces and the Seattle Storm coming your way Sunday, game one of the WNBA semifinals. Your top four teams, your top four seeds have advanced to get here. Going to be some great stuff. And again, get those tickets while they last. Access.com, AXS.com for games one, two, and a game five if necessary. Aces, number one seed, have the home court advantage throughout the WNBA playoffs. All right. Let's talk a little more football here and uh, bring in our guru as well, our handicapping guru, the one, the only. The I don't know what I want to say here. I was going to try to I, I was trying to come up with something old school, whether it was a food reference or if it was a a musical reference. But I'll just let it go wherever it goes naturally. Scott Spritzer, what's happening? I was just glad it was kind. Yeah, <laughs> of course it's going to be kind. We know that. That's for darn sure. You know, I just never know where it's going to go. I mean, an old steakhouse could come up. You know, uh, true, when, true. When, when we talk or, you know, uh, you know, another concert that you've been to that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring yeah. up, you know. TC, I just saw Social Distortion out at a third show. They <laughs> sold out the first two, like in minutes. Third show, ready to go. Let's go. December 17th. It's a Friday night. You don't got to work the next day. WNBA season's over. No radio. I, I think you need to go to your first Social D concert. Wow. Now, <laughs> I, I was going to bring up uh, something musical for you, a musical group, but then it would be 180 degrees from that. And I was thinking about you the other night, Scott. Now, let's just don't get it twisted. Don't, don't get, you know, not in that particular way. I was late night. And then how you are usually late night by the pool after you're done handicapping and you're sipping a cold one and you got your your music blaring. So my late nights, uh, either before my handicapping baseball or afterwards, I'll start flipping through the channels. And I came across one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies, Death Proof in Grindhouse. And yes, yeah. Now, Now, how much of a Death Proof guy that you are? But they have a tremendous soundtrack in that movie, and I completely forgot about one song that was in there that made me think of you, Scott Spritzer. It's mm. it's the bar scene there, where uh, Kurt Russell's in there, and uh, he's getting. Oh, a, I know what you're talking. I already know where you're going. You do, don't Can I? I guess? He, he was getting the lap dance. Okay, from Butterfly, she goes to the jukebox <laughs> and plays. A song. Go ahead. You're going to nail it because I think we've talked about this. Go. Down in Mexico. Yes, yes. <laughs> By, of all groups, the Coasters. The Coasters, baby. Exactly. <laughs> the and, greatest Coasters tune of all time. And it's funny you say that because, you know, you've told the story about the Coasters. 
you're you getting on stage with those guys, right? Right. But and you Back think in the 80s, yep. right, and you talk about you know when we talk about the coasters, we always think of the late '60s, the early '70s, the yakky yak, don't talk back, and all that stuff, right? And yep. then this song is like one of those hidden gems that nobody would associate the coasters, right? It's dark, man. I love it. You know, I feel like I should have a, a bottle of Mezcal in front of me or something and, uh, you know, be sitting in some CD sawdust joint. Uh, this takes me back to, like, Who Songs in Ensenada. And Who Songs in Ensenada is not like Who Songs in Las Vegas. Yes. And But that's what this takes me back to is a joint like that, but maybe in a smaller town, a little away from the tourists. I love this tune. Uh, this is their best song to me because it, it's a little bit dark. It's not comedic, and I remember it from the movie well. But uh, you know what's funny is back in the day when the, when, when Cordell Gunter was still around and he was you know heading the the coasters, played Vegas all the time. They never played this song. Never. Really? Yeah, they never played it live. At least I don't ever remember. No, you're time. right. I probably saw them fifty times. Yes, yeah, so you saw. I only saw them a handful of times, but. You know, again, I think I think you're right about this. But then again, see, I never even associated them with this song. I, I didn't in, in, until Grindhouse and Death Proof. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. You know, it's just not a typical coasters tune. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love Young Blood and all that kind of stuff, but this this one takes the cake. All right, Scott. So, uh, and by the way, I yeah. got to tell you, I heard Numchuck in the background while you're setting this up, playing "Story of My Life" from Social D. He's pretty quick on the trigger. I like that. Oh yeah, he is. I mean, again, he's uh, never been a DJ in his life, but he's turned into a DJ on the show, <laughs> which I love. And, and speaking of which, Scott, you know, we have made the official announcement: we are coming back for the second annual TC Martin Show Song Fest next Friday, where we're going to, you know, like we did last year, and we we have listeners and our guests get to to give us their favorite songs and uh you know we're gonna have some special guest djs i think you are gonna get that invite my friend so i'm giving you a week's notice to prepare to pick out a song that means something special to you and who go it could be this song you never know so be prepared next friday <laughs> scott to uh play dj and, and introduce your favorite song on the show I'm part of that I, i'm part of that no doubt about there it. there it is he's in He's in. All right. So, uh, and, and I, I, you know, you're kind of like me. You're probably even more diversified than me when it comes to, to genres and stuff like that. So uh, I can't wait to see which direction you're going to go with, uh, with your song. I, I got to tell you, you know, it, it all comes from where I grew up. My, my dad played organ. My, uh, my sister, one of my sisters played sax and guitar. Another sister played keys. I had an older brother who played drums, an older brother who played trumpet, and I played the sax dabbled on the guitar it was in the family and we had everything going from jitterbug music to dean martin to frank sinatra to frigid pink to the guess who you know to kiss and everything else and so you know and then all of a sudden around 1978 i heard a little clash going on and and that changed a lot there too for the next 10 years but yeah it's just been it was a diversified upbringing and i've stayed that way ever since and i'm yeah, and just passionate like you are, man, about music, and I passed it on to my daughter too. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was pretty excited right before you called. I saw Social D adding a third show, 
and I thought it's probably minus 450. It's like a Mets line tonight <laughs> that I will not be able to get T.C. Martin to go to a social D show, but you never know. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, see, that's the thing. See, Scott is now, I'm, I'm like his number two go-to since his daughter went off to college, so he doesn't have a concert date anymore because I don't see your wife going with you to any of these concerts, so now you're going to be reaching out to me or Dave Koken, I think, huh? There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, you know, I, could, I, I wouldn't be able to get my daughter to go to social D. When last time I saw them, I surprised uh, three people with tickets, and they had this. never seen Social D. They weren't Social D fans. I made sure they weren't in on the floor in GA. I made sure we were upstairs at House of Blues, mm-hmm. and so we're on that first balcony. And when the slam dancing breaks out at a Social D mm-hmm. concert, it is nasty rough. And they're sitting there going, holy crap, looking down. And we're talking about... Three people who are R&B people going, what in the heck are these people doing? <laughs> it's crazy. So no, no mosh pit for you. That's what you're telling me, huh? Not anymore. Yeah. used to be. Not anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I had to retire my torn shirts and, uh... and, and torn tennis shoes about 20 years ago. However, when we got shut down during the pandemic, you know, I was like telling my daughter, it was like, you know, first month of the shutdown, and I'm going... Holy crap, who knows if we're ever going to be around people in, you know, the next four or five years unless, you know, we get some kind of vaccine or something. And I remember sitting there and saying, you know what, as soon as we're out of this, I'm going to go to a cool, cool punk concert and I am going to slam dance one more time. And you might have to visit me in a hospital and a body cast afterwards, but I'm going to do it one more time. And she just looked at me and said, please, Dad, you're in no shape. <laughs> I, want, I want to know, uh, were you ever the recipient of uh, the body surf on top of the crowd, or were you the assist man? I did both. I, I body surfed <laughs> a couple of times, and I also helped people get from one end of the uh, floor to the other. So, And, uh, you know, i, I got to tell you, the, the roughest, this is going to surprise a few people out there who might remember these guys, the roughest slam dancing, body surfing, stage diving concert I was ever at, and I've been to a bunch, was, believe it or not, around 1990, I think it was 1990, it was Faith No More at Calamity Jane's on Boulder Highway. Oh, wow. And when that concert was over and everybody left, there was so much broken glass and blood and tennis shoes and shirts laying on that floor. I was like, holy cow. And that's when I started thinking twice about slam dancing. So... <laughs> That was a young Scott Spritz, or did they check was, your ID? That was a 23-year-old Scott I was going to say, did they yeah. check your ID at Calamity Jane's back in the day? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, no, because you probably looked about 29 with your long hair and everything back in those days. Yeah. I grew a beard when I moved out here. I was 17 I, just so I could get into clubs. Of I mean, course. you know. Yeah, there it is. All right, there he is. He's getting into clubs, and then he's uh, on the payphone outside at the Stardust afterwards. There you there, go. I love it. I love it. There you go. No ID needed. All right. Uh, well, thanks for today's segment, uh, Rock and Roll, brought to you by Scott Spritzer. There you go. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk a little football here. And, yes, it is here. College football has arrived. And as I look at this Saturday schedule, Scott, there's 11 games on the docket. And, whoa, my eyes just stopped. And I go, wait a minute. Could this be true? This can't be true. We have a Big Ten game on the docket. It's Nebraska <laughs> and Northwestern. And I seriously, I had to do a double take. Like, oh, wait, this has to be Northwestern State, right? Yeah. Or this has to be Nebraska-Omaha. No. But, I, again, after I stared at it over and over, I'm saying, this is Nebraska and Northwestern. What's going on here? Yeah. And I, I, they were supposed to play over there last year. I don't know if Northwestern was the op- opponent, but Nebraska was a team that was supposed to play over there last year. And, of course, with all the – 
the uh, COVID situation and everything that they ended up canceling it until this year. I, I think it's a tough trip for a coach who's on the hot seat before the season gets started. But, you know, it's, I look at this game and I'm thinking it's an upgraded quarterback, right? I mean, Adrian Martinez, this team lost nine games last year. They go three and nine. All nine single-digit losses, eight of the nine losses by one possession. And most of those eight losses by one possession came because of special teams' blunders, which there seem to be about two or three a game, and I'm not exaggerating. And either that or Adrian Martinez turning the ball over, making a bad pass, you know, fumbling it away in the backfield, knocking the ball off his own hip when he's running with it, things, goofy things like that. And if you recall the Michigan game last year, it's tied at 29. There's a minute 40 to go. They got the ball at their own 40. He goes for, they go for it on like four, it's like a third and one, not a fourth and one, but a third and one, gets the first down, decides he's going to wrestle with a couple of the guys, drops the ball, Michigan gets it, kicks a field goal, game over. Well, he's down in Manhattan, Kansas now. So Kansas State right. is going to deal with that. Right. But he had a propensity for turning the ball over at just really key situations. And now they've, of course, got the Texas transfer, Casey Thompson, who might not have quite the skates that Martinez did, but he's a more accurate passer. Martinez was not an accurate passer. And so I think, you know, he played a lot of games for Texas. And I think he'll be an upgrade. The offensive line is better. The defense is going to play more of an attack style instead of a react. They've been playing a 34 for a few years. There's been talk of a 43. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, They might stay in the 34 but be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, But anyway, I've heard some people talking that a 43 might be coming. Now, the cool thing about what I just said, we don't know. Neither does Northwestern. Nebraska's like chock full of new coaches, new players. They were the sixth-ranked team in transfer recruits this last offseason out of all the teams in college football. Top six recruiting team with transfers top 20 when it came to overall recruiting. The thing is, is Northwestern has nothing to watch on game film. This ain't the same style of play that they saw last year. And by the way, the game against Northwestern last year was the one game where they didn't make a bunch of stupid, idiotic uh, uh, mistakes. And what we saw because of that was the talent gap between these two programs. And Nebraska won the game 56-7. to It's not going to be easy like that. Pat Fitzgerald, I'll take him over Scott Frost. There's stability at Northwestern that there's not at Nebraska. I still don't like the Northwestern defense. I think Nebraska wins 34-17. to It's a very loose prediction, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Last night I'm doing a show with Rob Zadichka. He used to play D-line for Nebraska in the Osborne years, played in the NFL. Now he's a doctor, but I couldn't call him the good doctor because there's only one good doctor. <laughs> but, you know, so we're doing this last night, the show, and, he, and I asked him, I go, if this team gets the ball and goes three and out, Nebraska, you know, I go, is, did they overcome it quicker because, you know, they're not freaking out because it's a new quarterback and, okay, we went three and out, who cares? But last year, you know, if it was Adrian Martinez again, do we lose faith right away on this quarterback who's made a ton of mistakes? And he goes, maybe, but I'm not sure. He goes, they just better not be down 7 nothing." and have made a mistake to create that 7 nothing because it could go south. So I'll say Nebraska 34-17, to but don't hold me to it. This is the one time I'm telling you, don't hold me to it. If they drop behind or fumble or something like that, it's going to be very interesting to see how the holdovers from last year react. Yeah, that's the great points there. And when I think of Northwestern's defense, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Like you said that in that game last year, I remember that game, you know, the blowout that it was. Northwestern is a team that really, it doesn't seem like they create a lot of turnovers. You know, right. they're pretty vanilla uh, defensively, and they still create a lot of turnovers. And I'll say this, Scott, and I know you feel the same way, that 
it was really hard for me to back Adrian Martinez. It seemed like he was there for seven years, and <laughs> and now I can finally go back and start watching some Nebraska football. Cause I even you know we go way back with those Tom Osborne days. I loved watching them, but even after that, I've always you know loved watching Nebraska, and I love traditional programs. You know that play in the old stadiums and you know draw eighty thousand plus, and their fan base is just so passionate. You know, and they show up matter they no matter if they win or lose or even had some downtrodden years and I like Scott Frost I liked him as a quarterback and I thought okay this guy is going to be a pretty good coach and and as you know uh that you know they were about ready to 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 get him out of there and I really believe that without Adrian Martinez now it's kind of exhale and a breath of fresh air and I'm hoping that we see you know maybe some uh, we'll probably never see vintage Nebraska teams again maybe we'll we will but I'm just hoping that uh, they're going to be fun to watch, you know, again. And Frost does, you know, get a shot to turn this around. Yeah, I mean, I was a big Scott Frost fan, obviously, when he was in college, and he led him to a national title. A uh, real cocky dude on the field, smart guy on the field, a tough guy. He went on to play, you know, safety in the NFL. Yeah. Now, he's a tough dude, no doubt about it. Uh, he's made great hires. You know, Mark Whipple from Pittsburgh, who turned Pickett into an NFL quarterback. You know, he's now coaching the, the uh, quarterbacks at Nebraska. You've got uh, Rayola, who's played in the NFL, who's now an offensive line coach there, first year there. Uh, Mickey Joseph is an old Osborne quarterback from, I, I'm going to say, the mid-'90s, yeah. early-'90s, yeah. maybe even late-'80s. He goes back a ways. But he was at LSU as a coach. Now he's at Nebraska, disciplinarian, hard-nosed coach, just like Frost. I'd love to see it come together. I mean, they were one possession in eight games from being like nine and three instead of three and nine. And you're right, it was excruciating unless you bet the other side to watch Nebraska football, knowing that Adrian Martinez was going to do something really stupid. Yeah. And by all indications, everybody back there says Martinez is just a great kid. So I'm not dogging him for what he does off the field. But when you're on the field, you better be able to take care of the football and be the leader. We'll see if he does. you know what I'm here's what I'm hoping for. I want Nebraska to go, let's say at least eight and four. I want Kansas State to go 8-4. and four. I want a Nebraska-Kansas State bowl game. That's what I want this year at the end of the season. <laughs> Scott Spritzer joins us talking a little college football. It is back. It is here. And that is definitely the, the best game on the docket here. And for a lot of people that don't know, this game is in Ireland. Uh, yep. Explain to me why these two teams are going to Ireland. Oh, besides maybe getting a big paycheck. But uh, <laughs> I'm wondering what... The responses from uh, the Irish folks about these two games. I mean, Notre Dame's not playing, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're eating it up over there. There's fit, this, this stadium, when I was looking it up the other day, holds 51,000 people. And, you know, I do shows back in Omaha and talk to people back there still, got some relatives back there. And they're saying they expect at least 20,000 Nebraska fans to travel. So wow. I'm guessing you're going to have about 1,800 Northwestern fans who are all related to the players and twenty to 25,000 Nebraska fans, and then the Irish will make up the rest of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the stadium. And I'm not talking, as you said, <laughs> Notre Dame Irish. I'm talking about Irish Irish. And so it's really interesting. They're going to be, have kind of a home field advantage. I don't know why it came about. You know, I, when it was supposed to take place last year, but they couldn't because of COVID regulations, I thought, good, don't play there. They need to play some home games. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I think it's a weird game. And, and it's very, ne- the very next week they've got to play at home. You know, Nebraska's back home playing again next Saturday. And I think it's, if I remember right, it's North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, because they'd probably lose that game. Right. But it's North Dakota. They've got like four weeks in a row of games, starting with this one. If they lose this game, I'm going to tell you right now, this thing could go sideways in a hurry. 
Scott, give me a team or maybe even a conference that uh, you're maybe not that you're looking at this this year, where maybe a lot of other people aren't. That maybe you can zone in on and say, "Hey, there's going to be some opportunity to make some money here." Uh, maybe an unsung team or unsung conference, or maybe it's a major conference and a team that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Well, Washington State is the team that jumps off the page for me, and I already bet them. It was my top over-under wins play uh, this year. I played them over five wins, had to lay about a buck twenty or so. Uh, but you know, this Washington State team, I think, is going to be much better. And by much better, I'm talking seven or eight wins. It's not that they're going to go out and be twelve and zero and be top ten or anything like that. But the over/under is five wins. And one of the things I do when I look at a team that I want to play an over is who they're playing out of the out of the gate. I want to make sure they're going to start 1-0. I don't want to start from behind. And so they're playing Idaho, which isn't the same Idaho Vandals program that we saw a few years ago when they were D1. It's a big sky school, 4-7 and seven straight up last season. They lost uh, to, by 42 to Oregon State, by 42 to Indiana, by 50 to Eastern Washington. But back to Washington State, I think they get off to that win next week. They play on September 3rd. They brought in an outstanding quarterback transfer. His name is Cameron Ward. 47 touchdown passes last year. 5,000 yards, almost 5,000 yards uh, passing through the air. His head coach from last year, by the way, they come from Incarnate Word, his head coach last year is now on the Cougar staff. The head coach is Jake Dickert for Wazoo. He coached several games last year because of at, at an interim title, and now he's, of course, the full-time head coach. They went 6-2 and two the last eight games last year. Um, they had road games at – they have road games this year at uh, Wisconsin and USC. They're getting, that's going to be tough. They'll lose both of those. They've got home games against Oregon and Utah. They'll probably lose both of those, maybe steal a win. But let's say they're 0-4. Well, the rest of their schedule, their eight games, Idaho, Colorado State, Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, the two Arizona schools, and Washington. I've got them winning seven of those eight games. So at the very least, I think Wazoo wins seven, maybe eight, if all things goes right, and they can steal a win at home against one of the first four teams that I mentioned. Yeah, and that's good, too. And then Now, the, again, I can start rooting for Washington State again. I could, you know, just started that last year, too, when Mike Leach left. So, right. you know, yeah, no, no, no. And that's why I can't look at Mississippi State anymore. Just hard, hard team to uh, like to the most for. overrated coach you've ever oh, seen. I mean, absolutely. You know, that's why I say I, that. I just, yeah. He was actually being talked about coming, coming to Nebraska and uh, I don't remember if it was when they hired uh, Mike Riley or when they were looking to hire Scott Frost, but they kept talking about Mike Leach. I'm like, oh, come on, man. This guy, first of all, he's going to be there four years, five years tops. He's going to have one year where every year, seven and five, or, and, and pulls an upset. Great. You're seven and five, you pulled an upset. How about 10 and two? You know, how about taking it to that next level and being a real legit top 10 team. You go 7 and 5, you beat up a bunch of pansies in the non-conference schedule to get three-year wins and you upset somebody along the way and everybody calls you a great coach. I you know, he might be a great guy, I don't know, but He's not my coach, that's for sure. Yeah, and another guy that just seems to, to wear on his players and a team that usually don't pl- they don't play well at the end of the season as right. well, too. That's what we've, I've noticed uh, about Mike Leach teams. All right, man, let's change the, uh, turn the page a little bit here and look at the NFL preseason, uh, final preseason games this week. we got Raiders-Patriots uh, here at Allegiant Stadium. Obviously, it'll be the fourth preseason game for the Raiders, have that extra game, but they've had the uh, joint practice sessions, and by all accounts, everyone's saying, Man, the Raiders kicked the you-know-what out of uh, the Patriots in the joint practices. 
And I, I'm sure it won't be that nearly intense. Well, it really wasn't intense anyway because you had the the friendly uh, you know mindset between Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. But uh, any thoughts on this game or other NFL preseason games as we close it out, Scott? And are you hearing in any of these games that we actually may have a, a star quarterback or two uh, or a unit that might play more than a first quarter? Yeah, I'm not too sure we're going to see <clears throat> Excuse me, anybody play more than a first quarter. Like, for instance, tonight... I would expect that Kansas City, and I'll get back to your question in a second, but I, would, I, would, I wouldn't expect anybody for Kansas City on the offense to play tonight or play much at all because you'll remember last week Patrick Mahomes in the first-team offense played quite a few reps for KC, and that might have been their so-called dress rehearsal. So I would expect that, you know, I, would, I didn't play the game, but I played Green Bay or nothing in that game because I don't think KC's going to have those guys out there. As far as, you know, other teams like the Buffalo Bills, they're not going to play Josh Allen. The Ravens, you know, you're not going to probably see uh, Lamar Jackson. But both of those teams that I just mentioned, they both have great preseason quarterback rotations. You know, Buffalo Bills have won eight straight preseason games. The Baltimore Ravens have won 22 in a row and are 20-2 and two against the spread. So I'm, I'm like, you know, this doesn't have to be that hard as far as your handicapping in preseason play. I'll take a little bit of, I'll take a little bit of the Buffalo Bills plus the, the points. I'll take a little bit of the Ravens minus the points. You know, I'm trying to keep it simple. And what I've been doing with the Ravens, this goes back a couple of the preseasons down. Of course, not in 2020 when they didn't have a preseason. But 2019, I started playing the Ravens. And I thought, you know what? Until they beat me two times in a row, I'm going to play them every week in preseason football. I've yet to lose with them. As far as the Raiders and Patriots, it's a situation where, listen, the Raiders have come out and attacked and been strong, whether it's their starters or the reserves each week thus far, eked out a win last week. But do I really want to go against Belichick if he's being talked about getting his butt kicked in these friendlies this week? And also, you know, he's a coach who likes to win, too, and they're only one and one. They did win last week, had a little action on them last week. They got the late cover. It's pretty good quarterback rotation for them, and I think New England probably ekes out a win. But again, TC, I'd rather play the Buffalo Bills, who are, you know, 8 0, and the Baltimore Ravens, who are 22 and 0, and take my chances there with small plays rather than look into who else I should play in this week. This used to be the best week for betting preseason football, and now because of the schedule, you know, with this being the final week, it's no longer that. It's probably my least favorite week of preseason football. You no, know, I totally agree with you, too. And back to the Ravens, I looked at that game last week against the Cardinals on the road, and we saw that line jump up to as many as six, and they covered anyway. And then when yeah. I look at the line this week, okay, they're at home against Washington, and you figure, okay, normally maybe this line would be maybe, we'll say, three and a half or four well it's only six and you know it, to me that's only a two-point increase and a lot of people were talking about well yeah the, the Ravens you know we have inflated lines now with the Ravens well you really don't I mean so yeah. for for me you know when you're giving up a touchdown or less than a touchdown and an extra point uh there seems to be some good value because we you know Washington isn't any good to begin with their backups and their backup backups aren't really any good and again yes the Ravens want to continue this streak and I'm with you man I mean 22 in a row that's not not by accident. That is a message from the head coach. And what I learned last week from watching a good part of that game against Arizona was that, okay, yeah, you're not getting Lamar Jackson. You're not getting a lot of the starters. But you're getting the backups, but they're all motivated because they've had this message the moment they've got into camp that, hey, 
we're going to play a right way. We're going to play with a, a, a certain attitude, and we're going to play hard. And I couldn't believe how hard that everybody played for 60 minutes in this football game. Yeah. And that's that's my handicap for, for this game against Washington. I'm with you. And let's let's say this. Let's say Lamar Jackson isn't going to play tonight. I mean, that was the indication yesterday. But, you know, I he hasn't played this preseason. I don't know why you would even play him at all. Right. Let's just take him out of the mix. Let's say he's not absolutely not going to play. And let's say Wentz is going to play. So here's your rotation for the, the, the Washington, uh, Washington Commanders, even if their starter plays. Wentz, Heineke, Howell. Here's the Ravens' rotation without Jackson. Huntley, Hundley, Brown. Huntley, Hundley, or Brown might be better than any quarterback, including Carson Wentz, uh, on the Washington Commanders. Those three backup quarterbacks for Baltimore in week one of preseason combined to go 28 for 35, passing the football. First of all, they threw the ball 35 times in the game, and they went 28 for 35. I'll take those three over any quarterback that Washington t- uh, puts out there tonight, not named Sonny Jurgensen. Yeah, anybody else, I'm going against them. I and mean, Huntley, Huntley, and Brown sounds like a uh, law firm as well, too, there in Baltimore. Hell of a law firm, by the way. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Good stuff there. And, yeah, it makes sense, too, about the, the Patriots just because I think they are a deeper team, not only at the quarterback position, the skill position, but just in, in general overall. And I think, yeah, Bill Belichick is he probably wants to win a little bit more. And I just think you know they're they're a more disciplined team. And the Raiders again, it, they've they've had three games already. This is a perfect situation for the Raiders to coast as well. And if you sure. really want to, you know, get down from eighty down to fifty three, and you got to make twenty seven cuts, uh, this is your time to do it right now. And you should be having nothing but third and fourth stringers on the Raiders side. That's my thought process. Though. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing, you know, I hear people saying, you know, why does it matter if you win games in preseason? You know, what's the big deal with John Harbaugh? You know, people who kind of follow it casually. And I'm like, look who is one of the guys, one of the head coaches, who for the last 20 years wants to win preseason football games, Bill Belichick. Do you know that this, you know, developing that attitude in preseason, you know, he's, he's won a couple of rings. And so he's a guy that wants to win. And I think you're absolutely right. Because this is the Raiders' fourth game, I think they've seen all they need to see out of the regulars, you know, top two units. Now it's time to pare it down. And so you got to give some guys out there who might be battling for a position on the team, on the roster. And so I would say, you know, I, I haven't played it. I probably won't. But I'm kind of being talked into here just by talking with you into maybe a little bit of action on the Pats. Yeah, it makes sense. I, and I like all three of those games that you talked about. Buffalo makes a lot of sense. I think the Pats make a lot of sense. And uh, the Ravens. And I have not made a preseason bet this year. I, I rarely make them at all in the preseason just when there's certain spots but this those three games to me make make a lot of sense and again like you said you have to handicap the backups and the rotations and what these guys are playing for and who has the most most depth and i know that's that's preseason 101 you know handicap and we we get that but let's factor in the teams that not only want to win, but the teams that are really the most structured and the, the, the teams that just want to build a little momentum to close camp with. And I think, sure. and, and that's it. Uh, Scott, how much have you got a chance to watch any of the hard knocks with uh, the Lions? 
you know what? I'm probably going to, in the next 24 hours, watch some episodes because I haven't seen any of it yet. Okay. I, I just, yeah, and it's one of those things where I think about it, mm-hmm. and then I get busy working or watching yeah. games, and I completely forget about it. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning when I'm ready to call it a night, I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to watch it. Right. So I'll probably do that in the next 24 hours, watch a couple of episodes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's fun, and it's kind of mandatory watching. Right. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people that watch these series, a lot of times they will – you know, maybe read a little too much into it as well, too. And I know a lot of people are talking about, well, hey, the Lions, man, you know, Dan Campbell, man, he's he really believes yeah. in these guys. He's all fired up. So I think the Lions are going to be really good this year. Well, probably not. But but that's yeah. but don't when you watch these things because it's let's be honest, it's usually for the most part the bottom tier teams because the top tier teams, they don't agree to do this. They don't want cameras in their facilities and this and that. And that's why HBO has really struggled over the last five or six years to be able to talk teams. I remember them coming to green Bay and when 10 Thompson was there, I was always saying that, Hey, we really like to, you know, to have you guys part of it. And they just said, absolutely not. We, we don't yeah. want this, this circus, this charade going. And they were, all, you know, cause they wanted Lambeau field. They wanted the small town green Bay. Of course they wanted Aaron Rodgers And even before Brett Favre, and then, but you know, that's kind of the, the norm with a lot of these NFL teams. They they don't want that this type of exposure. I, I wouldn't want it. If I'm a head coach, a GM, if I'm a quarterback, I wouldn't want that. And like you, you described it perfectly with one word, circus. Hmm. And you know, a team like Detroit, it's a team. Isn't it, yeah? It's one of the only teams that's never been to a Super Bowl yet. <laughs> and you're talking about a team that struggled so badly and really had nothing to cheer for. I mean, Stafford kind of. You know, but they were always still losing games. And then I've had nothing to cheer for since Barry Sanders for the most part. You know, and so I get it to a certain extent. They're over under win total, I believe, is around six and a half. They might get to seven wins. I haven't seen, you know, the hard knocks yet, but I read all this hype, and I'm thinking, boy, there's no way. I mean, God bless them. Maybe they get more wins than I think they will, but I'm not betting the over. I'm not betting the under either, but I'm not going to count on Detroit to have to win seven or eight games for me to win a bet. I'm just not going to do it until they do it. That's kind of how I am in a lot of things. And I just talked about, like, the Ravens, for instance. 22 straight wins. And as you said, it's not by accident. Why in the heck would I stop playing this team? If I lose tonight, guess what my record is? I'm like 7-1 and one since I jumped on this bandwagon if I lose this game. If I win, I'm 8 no. I, I'm satisfied at 7-1 and one if that's what happens. So I'm kind of one of those guys, until it happens at least once for an organization or a program, I'm not going to count on it happening until it, I see it with my own eyes at least once. And that's the case with Detroit. No way am I believing the hype until I see it on the field for a season. There it is. I got this feeling I'm going to get a late night text from Scott Spritzer tonight because he's watching Hard Knocks. He's he's he's, he's binge watching Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Tonight's the night. All right, man. I appreciate it as always. Uh, go check out Scott's plays at DocSports.com. Fantastic stuff, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, air hockey, KBO. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Constant reviews as well. Well, no, that's right. He only gives that on this show. That's right. There you go. Bora Bora Tiddlywinks. There we go. I don't know. Why and <laughs> we will go to the break with this, Scott, as we talked about, you know, down in Mexico with the coasters from Death Proof. My song from April, March. There she is singing a little chick habit as the credits go up right now. Great song. Take care, brother. Appreciate Take you. Take care, man. All right. Love this song. Love it. Love me some Death Proof. Kurt Russell. Fantastic in that. Oh, yeah.
T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 All right, busy week as we know here in Vegas. And, of course, the Raiders and the Patriots concluding their joint practices. And they'll meet for a third time on Friday night at Elysian Stadium with that. Close out the preseason. And I can tell you one thing that we have at Elysian Stadium that they don't have at SoFi Stadium. And our next guest can attest to that. That is a working scoreboard. That's for darn sure. Arash Mikazi joins us now. All things LA we talk about today, all things Vegas, because I believe you are here. Is that right, my friend? I am heading to Vegas at the moment, TC. I, I kind of split my time back and forth between my two favorite cities, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So heading there uh, this weekend. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm actually talking to you from the. Uh, Skyland, <laughs> Delta Terminal, so heading out to Vegas shortly. And by the way, I'm sure you've made the flight flight several times. I mean, it is a 41-minute yes. wheels up, wheels down uh, flight, so super quick. Yes, I love that. I mean, I, I can't even get into my playlist. I mean, I only get like about five or six songs into my old-school jams, uh, you know, with the headset there, you know. So you're right, though. But I do like the short flights. That's good, man. That's that's very good. All right, man. Yes, uh, he's fantastic. The Mightier 1090, the Morning Column, Substack, formerly from ESPN, the LA Times Sports Illustrated. Man, you are staying busy. It's great to connect with you uh, again. This is kind of long overdue, but I had to reach out to you when I saw your tweets and everything regarding the SoFi Stadium scoreboard because that was part of <laughs> my Terrible Tuesday segment yesterday, and I wanted to get your take because I, I was I was looking at your stuff. Uh, what were you thinking as you entered the you know five billion dollar stadium? You've been there so many times. I understand that, but here we are, first preseason game, and and we got just blackness. We got a blackout. What was that all about, man? It was weird, TC, because it was the first game that I had attended um, as a fan. I had gone there obviously several times before um, as a reporter. I went there. Uh, um, you know, just with some friends, and uh, and I think maybe that's why I covered it really intently because you really, for the first three quarters of the game, um, you know, there was no scoreboard working, so there was no score, there was no time, there was no down or distance, and it was really frustrating. I mean, you 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 have what I, I view as the best scoreboard, you know, like in the country when it's working, and it wasn't working. And so, you know, the frustration, again, you're talking about a game where you had a kickoff return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, and what generally happens when you have a big play, you look right up at the scoreboard, and to see nothing but blackness was so frustrating. And here's the thing about that, and you hit the nail on the head there about you know, the replays and that sort of thing, because a lot of fans, okay, in these big stadiums, and SoFi is one of the biggest, and you have that with Jerry Jones at Cowboy Stadium or whatever the heck they're calling AT&T Stadium, right? Yeah. Where that scoreboard is so big. And fans are, a lot of times, they can't really see the field that good, so they rely on seeing the replays or the, the in-game action on the scoreboard. And you take that away, that's, yeah. a, that's an element that a lot of fans you know, don't, don't have. I mean, if you're sitting in the lower bowl, of course, you know, you're going to concentrate more on that. But with everything is state-of-the-art and all these LED lights and everything, I find myself you know, looking at the school board more and more myself. 
There's no doubt about it. I mean, again, when you're talking about a scoreboard of that size um, and you are in seats that are not close to the field, I mean, you really depend upon that, 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 that view of the scoreboard to kind of give you the replay, to watch the game live. I mean, it's a fantastic viewing experience. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, no, no matter where you're sitting, when you see a big play happen, your first move is to look up to the screen, watch the replay. And, and like, even if you're watching a game intently, it's comforting just to look up and see, okay, that's the down and, this, and the down and distance, that's the score. So, you know, to not have that for three quarters of a game, very frustrating. Totally. The video board there stretches 120 yards, weighs 2.2 million pounds, 70,000 square feet of digital LED lighting, and then, of course, you have... Uh, you know, the 268 speakers there, and I guess the speakers are working, right? But, uh, yeah, exactly. no, no video. Not working. Just amaze, amazement. What are your thoughts? You've been to games at Allegiant Stadium. What are your thoughts about Allegiant Stadium compared to SoFi and, and even throw in Jerry's World as well there? Uh, so I've been to all three. They're all fantastic. I mean, the one thing that I will say about SoFi is, is it's a little bit not fair from a financial perspective. I mean, the reason that I believe SoFi is the most unique venue that, that I've ever been to is they, they spent $5 billion on it. So, like, listen, a, a Chargers preseason game aside, and by the way, the number one comment that I kept getting about that was that that would never happen at a Rams game. Of course, it's happened at a Chargers preseason right. game, but um, it's the indoor, like, outdoor perspective of it. It's that Oculus scoreboard. It's, um, I mean, it is the most, uh, I mean, I've never been to a stadium like it. Allegiant's very good. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, but I'm not putting it in the same class as SoFi. The one thing that Allegiant provides that I really love, and when they were doing construction on Allegiant, that I was curious how this was going to work out, but they figured it out, is how do you can connect Allegiant Stadium to the, to, to the Strip well, you close off the Hacienda Bridge, and all of a sudden that pregame tailgate uh, section at Mandalay Bay and the Luxor, where you could essentially tailgate, like, listen, if you want, like, on the street, but effectively at those casinos and the hotels and bars and things like that, walk across the bridge. That's something that SoFi does not have. It is in uh, Inglewood. And effectively, there's nothing there. There's a there's the um, Hollywood Park Casino. There's the Forum, um, but there's nowhere where you can kind of like as a fan, you know, pregame much like you can um, in Las Vegas. So uh, again, the, there's nothing like SoFi. But I mean, I will preface that with the with the point that they spent five billion dollars on it. I personally love Allegiant because of I get to go to Luxor. I get to go to Mandalay Bay. It's a short. Uh, walk across the bridge to the game. I walk across the bridge back. It's a great day. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, with SoFi, you brought up the forum there. And I think that's interesting as well, too, because I have not been to the forum in decades. And what is that? Did they ever spend any money like refurbishing that? What does the forum look like these days? Because I know they still have events there. Yeah, the forum is actually fantastic. They refurbished it before they sold it to Steve Ballmer, and it is a fantastic concert venue. If you talk to any musician, it is their favorite concert venue because the acoustics. So they totally refurbished it in terms of the uh, concourses, the locker rooms, uh, you know, where the performers dress and things like that. So you could still technically have 
um, like a game there. It is effectively, though, 90-plus percent of the time for concerts. It's a great concert place now. Arash, best concert you saw at the Forum? Oh, man. George Michael, I'm going to just say that because it was right before he passed. And I was one of those where I was like, you know, it's always kind of cool to see a performer before he passes. And so I got to see George Michael. It was one of those where I wasn't doing anything and my friend had the two extra tickets. You don't, so have, listen, like, you don't have to downplay it. And like, oh, yeah, George Michael. No. no. <laughs> I love George Michael. All right? Right? Now, yeah. now, was that with Wham or without Wham? There you go. It How's was that? without Wham, but all those great, all those great Wham songs were up late. That's interesting. Good. Rosh Makazi joins us. Talk a little L.A., talk a little Las Vegas here today. So you mentioned the Chargers. You were at the game against the Cowboys. No one you know, really keeps score anyway, so I guess it wasn't that important. for this. That's what the scoreboard operators thought. Hey, you know, no one's keeping yeah, score. Right? Who cares anyway? But no, travesty there. And they did, you're right, they got it fixed at the end of their, with middle of the third quarter, whatever it was. That's, that's, that's craziness. But give me your take on the Chargers this year, and more importantly, the, how are they fitting in there in the landscape of L.A.? Because they are better now. They do have a top-tier quarterback you know, with Justin uh, Herbert. Uh, and what are, what are your thoughts about the Chargers and how they fit in there? I mean, they are on paper, if not the most talented team in the league, one of the top two or three or four talented teams in the league. And so on paper, they are a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they're in a really tough spot here in the, in the landscape, as you touched on, of Los Angeles sports. They're still viewed as as a San Diego team, um, you know, I mean, they were in San Diego for 55 years. And so for them to come here, it was really important for them to win. They've been a good team, not a great team. They haven't gone to the Super Bowl. They haven't gone uh, and won a championship. So now they're in a really tough spot. I, mean, I really thought there was a competition at the beginning between the Rams and the Chargers, uh, you know, mainly because the Rams had left Los Angeles to go to uh, uh, St. Louis um, and, I'm, and then St. Louis, because people forget about that part of it. You know, they right. left Los Angeles. We don't view uh, Orange County like Los Angeles. So they, they, they had really gone uh, away for quite some time. But the problem now is not only did the Rams win a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, they won it in SoFi. They won it in Los Angeles. And so, you know, they, they've gone there twice. Uh, they, they've done like all they can in terms of bringing in big-name talent. And so um, the Chargers really have to win now. And even if they do, I, I don't know to what extent they move the needle. It's a little bit like the Clippers. I mean, I've kind of been like asked this, too. Like, what would happen if the Clippers win a championship? I, I, I think it would be great for them. Do I think that they would have a parade that would fill the streets of Los Angeles? No, I, I really don't. No, you're right. The, the Clippers have always been second-tier. And let's be honest, the Angels have been a second tier to the Dodgers, yeah. too, right? And you get that with the Chargers now and the Rams. But you're right. It's so unique and so crazy because, again, both, you know, the Rams left. You know, like you said, they, they not only left once, but kind of like the Raiders in a sense. They feel like you, they left twice. And I remember yeah. them playing in Anaheim, and you're right about that. There was, you know, that division, and people were upset. And, you know, I went to a couple games when they played in the Big A. It was not a real good experience. You know, wow. and I'm okay with the Big A or was okay with the Big A for baseball. But now it seems a little bit more, you know, antiquated now. But, uh, 
And there's another story too about Artie Moreno. And if you want to jump on That's that, right. uh, jump on that story as well too. I think it's. And I talk about it on the, on the baseball show that I do as well. That this is a weird year that you've got. Two baseball franchises are up for sale. The Learners are, are, are selling the Nationals, and then you got Artie Moreno selling the Angels. So what's the what's the vibe there about that? You know, like Moreno totally lost a touch with the fan base. The fan base hates them. They, they want to move on from them. They are in a very precarious position right now, and why I think the sale comes at a good time, because they have a big decision coming up with Shohei Otani, a transcendent generational talent that they can't afford to lose. And so right now they're kind of in a position where, you know, the, the new group, and it'll probably be a group, it probably won't just be one person. The group that comes in really has to take a page from the Dodgers, you know, 10 years ago when they came and bought that team from Frank McCourt. You, you just have to spend. You have to spend and put a contending team on the field. And if you do, fans will come back. But for them to have two of the top five players in the game and two of the best players in baseball history and not to even sniff the playoffs, I mean, they're, they're a below 500 team that is just absolutely no one's talking about them here. Uh, it, it's frustrating. So at least the fan base, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here where someone effectively, I mean, I'm assuming, will come in, buy the team, and that'll be their first priority. Keep Shohei Otani long-term. Put a championship contending team put the back on that field. It just always goes back to the pitching with the Angels, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, they could spend money on Albert Pujols. They could spend money on Otani. They, could, you know, and other guys that they've spent a lot of money on over the last decade or two that just ha- haven't produced. But the bottom line is the pitching just has not been there. And uh, I, I, I can't remember the last time the Angels had a de- decent pitching staff. I know. I mean, again, you really have to go back to two thousand and nine when. They won a playoff series and were a yeah. good contending team. And so, again, it's been a long, long time. But there is some hope. I mean, again, this story came out of the way. I mean, very rarely do you get a press release saying that the owner is looking to sell the team. He will sell the team. It will happen. Um, and, again, good news because uh, they needed that. They need a change. You got it. Arash Makazi uh, joins us. Talking a little bit about Southern California sports, and you know, we talk about the Chargers. You mentioned the Rams there. You know how difficult is this for this team to come back again this year? And let's let's face it, they kind of surprised still a lot of teams last year. Not sure what Matt Stafford was really going to be like, but hey, it was a magical season for him, magical season for Sean McVay and everybody else there. But as we know, so tough to repeat. What's the vibe down there? Are they thinking, okay, Rams are, are kind of a, the favorite to get back to do this? Or do you think we have a little downside with the Rams this year? I mean, I think the, the hope and the expectation is they will re- repeat or be in position to repeat. To your point, it is so hard to repeat. I mean, you go back to even a year ago with San Francisco. I mean, they were what was for sure a pick away from not even going to the Super Bowl. So they know how hard it is to get there. Uh, they, they they brought back the the uh, team the uh, you know the the chant at the post uh, championship parade run it back most of those guys are back but again it's just hard to repeat that's why it very rarely happens but the, at the very least the pieces are in place for this team to once again contend. LeBron James signs a contract extension two years ninety seven million dollar deal. Yeah. I want your take on this and. Also, is 
Is that really in the best interest for the Lakers to shell out this kind of money for another two years of LeBron James? And it might seem like a stupid question because no, people think, oh, but I think it is. Yeah, I'm curious what you think. I think, listen, I, I actually am of the standpoint that it is a good contract. A lot of people want to compare it to the contract Kobe got. It's a little bit different in the respect that Kobe was coming off of what a lot of people thought was, uh, you know, I mean, that he wasn't going to be able to play again, or if he did play again, he wasn't going to be himself. And when you tear your interior cruciate ligament at that point in your career, you're effectively kind of done, and no one knows what you're going to be when you come back. So for the Lakers at that point, to give them that, that contract was crazy. LeBron is coming off of a season where he effectively led the league in scoring. Yes, the team was below 500, but really not his fault. I mean, it's just not a healthy team. So, the biggest thing with LeBron is him and Clutch Sports turned around the fortunes of this franchise. People can say what they want, but this team is in a position to contend, and I still think that, that they will. I, I don't know if they win a championship, but that they will be a playoff team if they're healthy because of LeBron James, because of Clutch. So, I mean, you're giving him this contract because he turned around the fortunes of a franchise that missed the playoffs and was one of the worst teams in the league for six straight years. So it's a different situation. He's still playing at a high level. You're still talking about right now, uh, like at least over the next two years, one of the top five players, you know, and, and again, that, that that could change this year. He could, he, could, he could totally hit the wall, but it has not happened yet. Yeah. Keep it on the basketball side. You know, I've seen you at games here at uh, Mandalay Bay at the Michelob Ultra Arena, you know, with the Aces, uh, you're covering the Sparks down there, and we know it was just a, a real terrible season for them with Derek Fisher out and then you got our girl Liz Cambage over there I'm curious uh, Arash did you did you spend much time talking to Liz at all in the past year no you know what not not really I know it wasn't a good fit for her here right. and it really bummed me out because I was such a big fan of hers and I know it was her dream to play with the Sparks and when she went to Las Vegas her original goal was to be here in Los Angeles and it didn't work out uh, you know I mean this franchise here in Los Angeles is going through a lot right now. And I think, think the model franchise in the league right now is what you guys have there in Las Vegas. And I, I think that they have to figure things out with the Sparks. they got to hire a, a head coach, and they have to put a culture in place that, that, that really says, hey, listen, we're here to contend. I mean, the fact of the matter is when Eric Fisher took over and uh, you know was given the GM reins, uh, it just put the team in a really bad spot. I mean, when you had Candace Parker leave and Chelsea Gray leave, and you've seen what she's done with your team in, in Vegas, it, it just breaks my heart because this was such a fun team to watch. So, uh, the, the And with Liz, I, I just think she doesn't want to play anymore. And you hate to say that because she was when she wanted to play one of the best players in the league. It just her heart was not in it. As soon as she got here, it just was not a good fit. No, you're right, and I've always said that. about I, I love her. She was a great uh, interview. We'd have a lot of fun, but the, you, you got to question her her dedication to basketball at this point in time. And uh, you know, it, it went really wrong for her. You know, the Olympics. You know, with uh, Team Australia when they were working out here, that was that was a sad turn for her. But you just see that the uh, questions. You know, a lot of times you question her love of the game. Does she still have it? And I just don't think she does. I mean, she's got these other ventures that she's more interested in right now. And uh, I just kind of got a feeling that we've seen the last of Liz Cambage play professional basketball, at least in the WNBA. Yeah, and it's really sad because you just saw, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago, it wasn't that long ago, she's going 50 points in a game. So the talent's there, but when the drive isn't there, you see, you don't want to play anymore. You can see it, your teammates can see it. 
And I don't know if it was um, half or pole or if it was fitting, but her last game was in Vegas where the team really knew at that point she didn't want to play. She didn't want to be there. And so, uh, you know, it's sad. Hopefully if she wants to play again, she can find a spot, but it'll be tough, right? Because now the way things ended in Vegas, the way things ended here, not a good look for her. Let's close out with this. The Raiders, again, divisional opponent for those Chargers. What What is your take on the Raiders season this year? Josh McDaniels, we talk about Devontae Adams, Chan, uh, you know, you've got Chandler Joe. you've got a lot of new pieces, a lot of new toys here for Derek Carr and company here. I'm curious what you think about the Raiders' chances, and I want to know what the Chargers think about the Raiders. Well, listen, I mean, what a, I mean, it was effectively a playoff game to finish the season there in Las Vegas. One of the most exciting games of the season didn't go the Chargers' way. Um, I like the Raiders a lot this year. I got them winning 10, 11, perhaps even 12 games. I mean, they are a very good team. But as you know, that division is extremely stacked with the, with the Chargers, with the Chiefs, with the Raiders, and even the Broncos. No one's talking about the Broncos, but I mean, they're right there in the thick think of things as well. Um, I do like the Chargers to win the division. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm here in Los Angeles, but I just think on paper and with Herbert, the way that he's been playing and the and the development that he's going to make, um, I do like them. I like the Raiders to make the playoffs. I mean, amazing to have like three teams that I really like a lot, but again, I like the Chiefs, I like the Raiders, I like the Chargers, the Broncos will be the odd team out there, uh, but I do think the Las Vegas Raiders do make it into the postseason. All right. Arash, go ahead and tell our listeners uh, how they can uh, follow you, whether it's radio, whether it's print. Tell us, man. I'm on the Mightier 1090 here in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, um, and have some exciting information, news to share with UTC. I'll probably text you a little later, but, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So hopefully we connect a lot more in the very near future. That's awesome, man. Can hardly wait. Good stuff. All right, my man. Uh, safe flight there. And uh, make, <laughs> make sure you leave your little uh, bottles behind there of the uh, Sky Club. Okay? <laughs> I will, TC. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. There he is. Arash Mikazi, the Mightier 1090, Morning Column Substack, formerly with ESPN, the LA Times Sports Illustrated. Uh, great reporter. Uh, does a fantastic job. Love having him on the show. And yeah, we'll be hearing more and more from him during the course of the football season. Great to reconnect uh, with him. We got college football this weekend. It's here. No more waiting. Every Saturday from now until January, we've got college football. Enjoy. Pop up the jam.